your mind can never return to the level of thought that it previously engaged in when you expand it by exposing it to a new way of thinking. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 623. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and today I'm thrilled to introduce you to Glenn Garns. Glenn is the connector with Village Connector, and you've heard me say it before, but a lot of good stuff always comes out in the pre-chat. Today was no exception. But Glenn, I am so happy to have you here. I'm so just looking forward to you telling your story and sharing your expertise with the listeners, but welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Kim. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And I wish that we had started the show about 20 minutes ago when we did start the pre-chat because you, you're right. There were some gems that came out of that. I just need to learn to have the recording start early and then we can just take out all the, you know, some of the stuff that doesn't need to go in the show. But yeah, there's always, does it happen on your shows too? Absolutely. And you know, I'm I'm usually in the middle of a conversation with someone when we both look at each other and say, wow, we should have recorded that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If if I had a dollar for every time I've said that, I wouldn't need to work. I would well, still want to work. It's especially unforgivable when you're sitting in a radio room having the conversation. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, right. And <laughs> that's really all you would have to do is accidentally push one button. Record. Yeah. Bingo. Glenn, would you mind sharing a little bit of your background with the listeners and sharing how you got to where you are today? Okay, so I'm going to try to do that as succinctly as possible. And I'm going to ask people to be patient with me because I am a lawyer and lawyers have a tendency to (laughs) ramble. So we get paid by the word based, uh, based on how we normally talk. But I'm a retired lawyer. I closed my law firm back in 2004 um, because I felt like I was being stifled in reaching to reaching my full potential and who I wanted to be. I went to law school primarily to make my parents proud, be the first lawyer in the family kind of thing. And I thought that if I was successful at what I was doing and my parents were happy, that I would be happy. Mm. Now, my parents were happy and they were proud, but I wasn't happy. You see, my bank account was full, but my heart was empty because I knew that practicing law wasn't giving me the kind of impact in the community that I really, really wanted. And so I closed the law firm back in 2004 I created an information product, a three CD works, uh, three CDs and a workbook on how to generate business through referrals. And the reason that was important is because at the time that I closed the law firm, the only other thing I knew how to do was generate business through referrals. And that was the only thing anyone cared about uh, that I knew how to do. It was called Referral University back then. And ultimately, everything that has happened for me since then evolved from the success of that information product. Today, I'll fast forward, we are a full TV studio, full radio studio, an organization, Abundant Society, focused on personal development, health and wellness, and professional development. And everything that we do is designed to help people invest in their number one asset, which is themselves. And so that all started with the courage to swim against the stream and to do the direct opposite of what my parents and my friends and everybody thought I should do close the law firm and follow your heart. Mm. So my mom always used to tell me, be a doctor or a lawyer or 
marry a doctor or a lawyer. So I went to art school. <laughs> <laughs> good move. Yeah. You, you, were rebe- you were a rebellious type from the start. Oh, That's my gosh. Good. I totally was. And they got so mad because even before I went to college, I was still in high school. On my 18th birthday, I went and got my first tattoo. So they thought, you know, oh, my gosh, what are we in for now? And then both of my sisters, who one of them went Ivy League and the other one ended up getting her master's in environmental law or environmental sociology. Sorry, sister. I can't remember your degree. They both came home with piercings too. And I was like, look, it's not just me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me ask you a question. Did you have parents that used to tell you when you were young that you could be anything you wanted to be? You could do anything you wanted to do when you grew up? Oh, absolutely. Yep. So I I reminded when my father was giving me a hard time, excuse me, about closing the law firm. I reminded my father, I said, dad, you remember when you told me I could be anything I wanted to be when I grew up? And he said, yeah, I did. I said, so why didn't you go to law school? And that was the end of that conversation because he had been trying to live vicariously through me by putting pressure on me to go be the lawyer and all that kind of stuff. I said, why didn't you go to law school? Mm -hmm. Never had to have that conversation again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and, and, and some weeks we never had any conversation, but (laughs) he eventually got over it and and realized that, yeah, he's right. I did tell him he could be anything he wanted to be. Yeah. I remember my stepmom specifically saying, you can be anything you want to be as long as it's legal. Well, that, yeah, that's a, that's a a good qualifier. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the one that I use on my kids today. But the, the difference between when I was growing up and, and I am a child of the eighties and nineties and is that then it, it was a mark of achievement for parents in my town that the kids went to college. And usually I would have to say over 75% of the kids went to college out of out of my high school. And we, we lived in a modest suburb. But in my town here in Ohio, I love seeing how times are changing, but it, it almost scares me, but it excites me at the same time. I think maybe 30% of the kids in this past year's graduating class went to college. And even though my kid, my junior in high school is exceptionally just, he's already in college level classes. I'm not pushing them at all. Because I realize well, it, college I, today doesn't have, to me, and I'd love to know your opinion, to me it doesn't, it's a piece of paper as opposed to the degree you needed 20 years ago to get a job. And I will tell you that I'm, I'm, I was just about to say that we're going to have to have another conversation about college because th- that's exactly how I feel is that unless you are going to college with a purpose in mind, the knee-jerk reaction to going just because everyone else did or because that sounds like the right thing to do, for me, that's the direct opposite. That, that's how I got sucked into becoming a lawyer. I went to University of Pittsburgh undergraduate, got my political science degree that I still don't know what that was all about, and went on to law school. On weekends, I went to Allegheny Community College in Pittsburgh and got my paramedic degree on my own initiative because I, I used to volunteer with the local first aid squads and they were all advanced life support uh, uh, units. And I could have been just amazingly happy as a, as, as a paramedic. Mm-hmm. But my parents didn't want the first paramedic in the family. They wanted the first lawyer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And therefore, my destiny had been defined by my parents. How long do you think it will take for YouTube to have a YouTube university? Or do they already that you know of? 
You know, I'm not sure, but but one of the things, you know, one of the reasons that we created this online learning experience at Abundant Society is because there's so many different places to get information, but it's not organized and logical and 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 formalized in a way that makes people feel comfortable that they're getting a full learning experience. Mm. I thought, you know, you would think YouTube would be the number one place to begin some type of, you know, organized playlist of uh, curriculum or whatever on virtually any topic you can think of. And it, I don't know why they haven't figured that out yet. But, you know, again, you know, they they can't be all things to all people, I guess. I guess it's still. They'll try. <laughs> yeah, they'll try. They, yeah, they certainly will try. But that's why Google failed uh, with social media. <laughs> right. Because uh, Facebook's focused on a social, uh, a, a social community and, and Google tried to do everything, you know, and, um. You know, that's the, that's, that's, that's probably the formula for failure is, you know, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. I like to say just because you can do everything doesn't mean you should. And I have English. tried, oh my gosh, I have tried and failed or just <laughs> not succeeded. Let's say it that way. I would love to know how were you introduced to info products that you thought to start your own or was this an idea of yours? Because I, I can't say well, maybe it's just because I didn't even realize that they were info products, but I can't say that I had my first real introduction until somebody handed me over a Tony Robbins box set of CDs in 2009. Listen to these. So I am, I am smiling from ear to ear right now because that is exactly how I got introduced to my first infomercial. I mean, my first information product through Anthony Robbins. Really? personal power. Uh-huh, me too. Back in 1990, and I remember this distinctly because my partner, my law partner at the time and one of our colleagues actually chastised me when they saw my personal development tapes on the back seat of my car. Who do you think you are, Mr. Personal Development and everything? Now, the 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 colleague that was chastising me eventually came back a year later and wanted to come work with us. <laughs> I mean, like be hired by us, not be our partner. And I, and I, and I, re, I immediately gave him the tapes and said, you listen to these first and then we'll talk, we'll talk later about whether we should bring you on board. <laughs> but so it was, so it was Anthony Robbins, mm. you know, that was my first introduction to personal development. Believe it or not, the reinforcement to Anthony Robbins came through network marketing. Mm, I can see that. As, as part of network marketing, we always had a book of the week, a book of the month and a tape of the week or something something motivational, something educational, putting it be, being put in front of us on a virtual, uh, virtually every, everyday basis. And so it was very easy for me to see the value of personal development very early on. Uh, and that's, and frankly, for me, um, the, the network marketing experience for me, I made some money in that, but that wasn't the issue. The biggest value I got out of network marketing is understand the importance of self-help education. You know, that's a really interesting topic because Network marketing or MLMs, depending on what listeners want to call it, I think they've gotten a good, bad, and ugly reputation. You know, there's definitely the good ones. And I, I won't even say bad, but there's ugly ones, you know, that people just talk about. Pardon the cat in the background. But um, I've had experience with both. And I think that's one thing that the good ones have right, is investing in their people and promoting personal development. And always encouraging them to know more, be more, do more. And and I like to think that if someone was interested in a uh, multi-level marketing or network marketing business, that 
they should go in understanding that the most valuable thing they may get out of that is not a jingle in their in their bank account, but an inspiration in their mindset that takes them to bigger and better places beyond even that business opportunity in which they're currently participating. Absolutely. I need to retract what I said earlier. I don't think it was personal power. I think it was actually, was. is there one called The Edge? Yes, Get the Edge. Get the Edge. Yep. yep. That's how I started. And the, just the exercises of write down what you want personally, financially, you know, emotionally, that was, those were exercises I had never done before. I had never thought about them. It was never even a thought in my mind. You mean I can have something more than what I have here? My day is not just getting up, taking the kids to daycare, rushing to work, working all day, coming home, picking them up and then rinse and repeat. You know, I didn't realize there was more out there. And that is the number one reason that we encourage people to read a book, listen to a tape, listen to something on YouTube. There's so much great stuff, even just on YouTube. Um, you know, Earl Nightingale, The Strangest Secret. If you haven't listened to that, that's a great place to start your personal development journey. But here's the point. Your mind can never return to the level of thought that it previously engaged in when you expand it by exposing it to a new way of thinking, you know. And so the bottom line is the more you think, the more exposure you get to education, the more – when I say education, I'm not talking about academic per se. But the more experiences you create, even if, there's, even if it's one that's painful, you know, we learn more from our battle scars than we do from our victories. So the bottom line is that the more experiences you create for yourself, whether it's reading a book, going to a workshop, having a conversation with a mentor, you will never return to a, lo a lower level of thinking than, 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 you, than, than, you went, than you entered into that conversation with. And so it's exciting to think about what you're going to learn today. You know, what did you do to advance your goals today? Who did you help today? The bottom line is that if you were to focus on those types of things, you wouldn't have time for drama and chaos that we see in the media all day long and some of the other gossip that takes place at happy hour amongst your coworkers and colleagues. You would be so laser focused on things that advance the ball in making you more valuable to yourself and therefore more valuable to others. You wouldn't have time to be distracted by stuff that just doesn't matter. What are you reading right now, Glenn? I am actually rereading for probably the 16th year, The Law of Success and 16 Lessons by Napoleon Hill. Now, a lot of people know Napoleon Hill primarily for Think and Grow Rich, mm -hmm. which is probably the second only to the Bible, uh, been translated into more languages than any other book in the history of, of the world. Uh, I, I don't know that that's accurate. Don't, 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 don't assume that just because you saw it on, on, on Google or on the internet that it's true. <laughs> but the point is that I read it every year. And I've read it every year for the past 16 years. And the reason that uh, people know Think and Grow Rich is because it's about 360 pages long and the Law of Success and 16 Lessons written prior to, the, uh, to, to um, Think and Grow Rich is 1,100 pages in two volumes. So <laughs> it, does, it doesn't take much to incentivize people to get the Reader's Digest version, if you know what I mean, because that's exactly what Think and Grow Rich is. It's the, it's the abridged version of the Law of Success in 16 Lessons. So if you want to see the full story, pick up a copy of the Law of Success in 16 Lessons by Napoleon Hill. I've never even heard of it. I'm embarrassed to Most say that. Most people have. Wow. Yeah. And, and I, don't do, um, I don't do abridged. So 
I yeah. would so have to dive right in. I must admit, though, I have a course in miracles here, and it's just so daunting for me. I've been I've been speeding through the shorter books, I guess, <laughs> but I really just need to eat the that frog and and get the. I mean, which is also a book, listeners. If you haven't read it, it's amazing, but read the big book already. Maybe not that exactly. one, but some of the other ones that I've been putting off because I don't want to pack them when I'm traveling. I and I know this is not, you know, we're sort of going on a big tangent over here, but physical book or ebook? I or prefer both. physical. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought a Kindle. I had it for about a week, and then it became my wife's. Not because she snatched it from me. Oh, she did snatch it from me, but <laughs> I didn't ask. To, I didn't try to snatch it back. I just could never get with the Kindle thing. So for me, I prefer to have a book where I can turn the pages and I can highlight and I can make notes. And I know, I know you can do some of that in the Kindle, but it's not the same. It's just not. Everything that you just said could have come out of my mouth. <laughs> if you see some of the books on my shelf, I, I have so many tabs on the pages. I should have probably just tabbed the pages that I didn't find something on that I wanted to remember. <laughs> well, I used to even feel guilty about highlighting and writing in my Bible. and then. And then I realized, oh my gosh, they make Bibles just for that with actual space to write in it. Exactly. That blew my mind. I was like, okay, well, if I can write in the Bible, then I can write in any book as long as it's not a library book. Exactly. I I, I love disregarding teachers' admonitions when we were growing. We came up during the era where books were sacred and Mm -hmm. you didn't write in the book. And I was like, you know, know, it's kind of like when you're growing up, they told you growing up, don't talk to strangers. And then you and then we grow up and then we get on the internet and friend people we've never seen, never talked to before. <laughs> so you 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 got to put those things into perspective and put them in their right place. I mean, sometimes history is meant to remain in the past, you know. Oh my gosh, Glenn, this is so I so shouldn't be sharing this, but one of my four year old twins, I can't take her to the grocery store anymore because she loves textures of of clothing. And she has grabbed a few butts in the, in the <laughs> checkout line. And let me tell you, those are the conversations with strangers that I just get a kick out of those. Usually it's older men and she'll just go up, grab their shorts. And, and that is, that is a, uh, so that's going to become a classic uh, reference on, on your podcast. I can't, I can see that being uh, excerpted out and included in your intro or something, because that's just incredible. I, I mean, if you want a way to start a conversation with a stranger at the grocery, just take my four-year-old, grab butt, and there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Good for her. Bless her heart. <laughs> I know. If any of us tried it, though, we wouldn't be able to get away with that. But just I'll tell you what, though. I think you should encourage that because I, I promise you that if it's older people, sometimes they appreciate the physical contact. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They totally do. Hey there, my friend. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. I wanted to take a quick moment to invite you to join the Work Smarter, Not Harder Challenge. Over the course of 30 days, these free, yes, free, short videos will teach you a few of the systems and strategies I set up in my business so I can get away from my computer and back to the people I love. I invite you to sign up now at WorkSmarterNotHarderChallenge.com. Again, you can sign up at WorkSmarterNotHarderChallenge.com. Dot com. Okay, so I want to go back to your story. I feel like I've, I'm not doing you justice here, but you made you made your product. How did it go? 
I mean, did it start selling well or did so, it just sort of linger out there? And, and then where did you go from there? So I mean, here, I, yeah, here's sorry. the story about the product. There was no internet back when, I mean, actually there was internet, but it, there was no, it, we were just getting DSL. Mm -hmm. There was no real broadband and there was no internet, you know, live streaming and, and social media. Facebook had only been around for about a year and a half at the time I created this product. So I was teaching a free workshop called 10 Mistakes We Make at Networking Events and How to Avoid Them. And I would host a workshop in my office and there would be about 30 or 40 people that would come once a week for that for that workshop. And I would also get invited out to chambers of commerce and other business groups and stuff like that to teach uh, that workshop as well. And after delivering the 10 mistakes we make at networking events and how to avoid them, I offered people an opportunity to continue the conversation, not buy my course, continue the conversation by acquiring the course. There's a big difference that, you know, you, you're a marketing in person, mm, so you understand acquiring. that, you know, you don't upsell people. You would, you, you give them an opportunity to expand the relationship mm -hmm. with you. You know, it's, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Here's the point. At least a third of the people in the room invested $500 to acquire that course almost every single time I taught that workshop. Now, you remember, I was doing that once a week in my office. Wow. Right. And I did it when I was invited out to speak, maybe an average of once every couple of weeks at other people's, other people's events. So $500 times 10, $5,000 a week times four weeks in the month. I was making a minimum of about $20,000 a month just with that one information product. How okay. did you get the word out back then? Then I used to go to networking events. Okay. I used to be a member of uh, networking groups and I used to be a member of chambers of commerce and I was always going to events. And as I was at those events, I would let people know, Hey, I'm hosting a little workshop oh, teaching okay. at an event like this. I missed that little part. It was great. I mean, it was, it was, you know, there was, I was, I, my, I, my budget for marketing was zero not because I didn't have the money to market, but because I didn't need the money to market based on what I was selling and who my ideal client was and what I was already doing to go out and connect with people in the first place. Do you think that type of community is still out there? And maybe I'm a little bit biased because of the small town in Ohio that I I live in, and I'm not saying that there's not opportunities. Please know that I'm not. But we have a couple networking groups here in town for entrepreneurs, and I feel like a fish out of water. And maybe that's my own thing that I need to overcome. But it's a lot of the the local establishments, you know, the for lack of a better word, the mom and pop shops. And when I go and I'm talking about automated marketing, they. Oh, my, my son has my marketing taken care of. He updates my Facebook all the time. I don't need an email list, you know? So I, I really have stopped going. I would love to know if you think, was that a fail on my part? I don't necessarily think it was a fail, but I think that you might now, you might have to change your, your, your strategy in terms of how you engage folks with that mindset in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and I would say, great, you know, so what, you know, let me, I would say, great. I'd love to talk to your son to make sure he's aware of these technologies and these automation Ooh. solutions that would help you to do a better job of attracting business, you know, um, or, you know, great. So what is your son doing about your online reputation? Well, I don't know. And then when they go back and ask him, the son's going to be like, what are you talking about? Then they're going to get on the phone and call you. <laughs> wow. 
So, so that, those are just two different ways that you might approach it. But I would definitely want to talk to that son because if they're edifying the son by using him as excuses to why they don't want to talk to you about buying something, that's really what's happening there. Um, you just took all the wind out of yourself. Great. I'd love to talk to your son and make sure he's not missing anything that you should be doing in your marketing. That's you know. so easy, but it, I, it just never even occurred to me. Well, that's why we have these conversations mm-hmm. <laughs> because we've just expanded your mindset on that particular topic and it'll never go back to what it was before. Well, what's really crazy about it though, is like I connect with business and life coaches online all the time and I have zoom. I mean, just here on the podcast, right? I have, these conversations and many more conversations. And when they tell me, and I'm not out there pitching, I mean, I really should be, but I'm not out there pitching, but I just share, I mean, listeners, just before we started recording, I even was talking to Glenn about uh, transcriptions in show notes. And I showed him what happened to my site's traffic as a result. Right. So it's that type of conversation, Glenn, that I have with people. Hey, can I just suggest this? And they'll say, Oh yeah, I, you know, I'm going to talk to my team about this. But even there, I've hopped on a couple calls with team, but I could start offering, hey, do you want me to hop on call with your team and just show you or show them a few exactly. things? And exactly. it never even occurred to me. And so on that note, you had originally asked me to come on here and talk about the art of the connection, which was how to build your business through relationships. Mm-hmm. And you just identified one of the most important principles, which is taking a sincere interest in others before you expect them to take an interest in you. That comes from Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. We deliver value unconditionally and let that drive people's interest in expanding the relationship with us. And when you shared me about the show notes, that was a perfect example. You know, some, some people, they coach on that and they won't tell you that tip unless you hire them. You offered that willingly and freely without giving it a second thought because you are a you're, 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 you're a community servant, as I see it. You're, you're looking to find ways to help other people, whether they hire you or don't hire you on the spot. You're still willing to give them an opportunity to taste the meal before they pay for it. And even, even though that was not the nature of our conversation, you were just sharing with a colleague, hey, here's what I'm doing. You might want to look into this. And you're right. That, those kinds of conversations are very valuable for all kinds of reasons because now I feel absolutely comfortable recommending you to somebody who's in the market for what you do because of how you demonstrated your value to me. And that's that's another reason that, you know, we, we start by giving value to people so that you develop credibility, trust, and influence with those folks. Mm. You know, Zig Ziglar talks about it. He says, if you get help enough people get what they want, you can have everything you want. He didn't say charge them for everything you give them. Right. Right. And I've seen that model, the charge for everything you give, and the retention from, I mean, because I'm, on the inside, working with some of these entrepreneurs, the retention is, I think a sound effect would be effective here, but, you know, that's basically <laughs> the retention rate. is It's close to nothing because when people feel like they're being nickeled and dimed for everything they get, it doesn't feel good. But then I had, and I'm just trying to find where his episode is, I had Donnie Bovine, um, who's another... Uh, he's a podcasting friend on the podcast. And I, I don't know what episode he is, but listeners, it will be in the show notes. So you can go over and listen. But he, he was sharing that he was at an event one time where this guy was giving all of his secrets, like all of it. And Donnie went up to him afterwards and said, dude, 
why'd you do that? Oh, it's episode 616. Um, and, and the guy said, well, because they're not going to be able to ta- do everything I take. I mean, they'll try, but if they do everything I teach them, then they're not staying in their genius zone. So why not give them all the bells and whistles or nuts and bolts or all the lessons, send them on their way. And when they realize that they need some more help, they'll come back because they realized how much value I gave. Exactly. And and that's a great way to show them what they're missing without smacking them in the face with it in a fear of loss type of thing. You, Hey, look, here's some things you could be doing. You could do this, you could do this, you could do that. Oh, I don't have time to do all that. I didn't say you should do it. I said, here's some things that you should make sure you're getting done. Mm. And And there are multiple ways to get those things done. The bottom line is that being in a position to educate people before you ask them to become your client is one of the most powerful ways to show them that you're the right person to have do the work. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, so you're you're bringing people in. You're selling your program. What happened next? Well, you know, my vision. I I I expanded my vision for what I was capable of doing if I was willing to expand my vision and then expand my activity consistent with that. So I started to realize that I was doing a great job of using once we started getting into the internet and producing videos and things like that, that I was doing a pretty good job of creating a social presence. I was doing a pretty good job of using video marketing and and podcasting. And, you know, I was podcasting back in 2000 when we took a audio file, converted to a flash file, put the button on the website, and that was a podcast. You know, that was a long, long time ago. So, by the time you know blog talk radio and a lot of these other uh, uh, platforms came along, I was Johnny on the spot with all of that. And my colleagues were always asking me, how did you learn to do that? How do you do that? Where, where, where did that come from? You know, that kind of stuff. And I started to realize just how ignorant speakers and coaching professionals were of the evolving communications platforms that existed and would aid them in getting the word out and creating awareness about who they are and what they do and be of service to more people. They were just not aware of even the existence of some of these things, let alone how it should be integrated into their marketing approach. And so if we fast forward to today, Experts on Stage is a organization I created to make it possible for speakers and coaching professionals not to have to understand it all at the level that I do, not to have an interest in the technology at the level that I do. They can benefit from it, and all they've got to do is plug in without worrying about trying to figure out, like, you know, how to produce, you know, video and how to create a TV studio and how to get the podcast on the iTunes and all those things that, you know, would be vexing to the average coaching professional. So we simply evolved our thought process as time went on, as technology evolved, what we were capable of evolved and our, our, our creativity and staying on the cutting edge of those technologies allowed us to see it before it existed. You know, for example, we're the only ones that I'm aware of on Roku that has a multi-channel Roku network as opposed to one channel. Mm. We're going to be the only ones, I think, on iTunes that has a podcast that features multiple shows just like a a traditional radio station does. So the point is I spend most of my time looking at a tool, a technology, a new automation process, and seeing where it's relevant in the context of the people I'm already serving. Small business owners through small business CEO experts through uh, speakers and coaching professionals through experts on stage, 
people interested in health and wellness through Optimum Health Club who are all part of the Abundant Society umbrella. I'm just out here looking like, here's the new thing. What can we build with it? Right. So it just occurred to me that experts on stage, like the stage is not necessarily up there on a pedestal, for lack of a better word, in a room. But your stage can be on any platform. Live stream events, webinars, Mm. podcast interviews, uh, uh, pre-recorded pieces of content on YouTube. Your stage is whatever platform your viewers or your audience is experiencing your knowledge from. Mm, I love that. So I well, love just that's giving, I created it. <laughs> yeah, I hope so that you love it. And actually, that's that's a big question. And and I alluded to you before we hopped on, and I'm just going to hype it up a little bit more with a shameless plug. Um, shameless. I have no shame. Is that what, that's how I should say it, right? And that's why you're successful. <laughs> Positive productivity does not mean perfection, and sometimes I make up words or use the wrong ones. Um, I mean, Purposeful Parentpreneurs, which I'm launching with Richie Ote and Liam in a, in a, about a month, what we're really hoping to do is help parent entrepreneurs build a business that they love with their families so that their families love it too instead of resenting it. But I've seen so many entrepreneurs, not even necessarily parentpreneurs, who build a business because they because they love it initially, but then they begin to resent it. And I would be lying if I said that there haven't been days that I just resented my business. And we all go through that, Kim. And the bottom line is that there are occasions where, and, and we, there's a fine line between what I'm about to tell you and 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 the other side of it. Sometimes kids and spouses feel pressured to go into the business with you and to take an interest in the business. And sometimes they feel like they're on the outside looking in if you don't give them the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage entrepreneurs, small business owners, self, owner, owner-operated businesses, extend an invitation to your family members to participate in the business, but don't demand it. Don't insist on it. My son just returned from Marine duty. He was just discharged a year early on um, uh, honorably discharged on medical uh, medical disability. Nothing nothing serious, just something that kept him from performing all the duties of a Marine. But he came back and he is working side by side with me in our organization. He heads up the Optimum Health Club aspect because he's very in, in the health and wellness. But he had the intention to do that even before he left to go to the Marines. I'm going to get teary-eyed here in a minute when I tell you that. When he left, he said, I'm coming back in four years to work with you, dad. Mm. So. (laughs) I love it. All right. So um, moving right along. My point is that my father's attitude would have been if he had a business, he would have like forced his kids to work in it and they would have resented that. Mm -hmm. Instead, I extended an invitation and said, if this is something you'd like to do, I'd love to have you. Right. You know. Um, my, 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 my youngest son, Nolan, he actually does a lot of our, um, web development stuff. He, he sets up the profile, the speaker bureau profiles when new members join the organization, he sets up their text messaging system that we offer as part of the membership. And he, he orders their magazine cover, which we put on the, as their profile picture on the, uh, on, on, on the, on the profile. He does all that. 
And I didn't tell him he had to like he had to not work someplace else and only work with me. I told him, hey, look, I know you're working over here doing this and I want to distract you, but you think you'd like to learn how to do this too? And that was an invitation, not an ob- that was an opportunity, not an obligation. So the bottom line is that if you shift your mindset from one of demanding or one of thinking that they don't want to be involved with the business, just have the conversation. Sometimes if you have the conversation with them, even if they say no, now they have no excuse to resent it because they had an opportunity to participate. Right. Oh, I love that. So I just want to thank you and your son for, I mean, you did serve and my cat is thanking too. I didn't realize I locked a cat into my office. That's how cats applaud. Yeah, he was hiding. I had no idea he was in here. This is the one who will cry until he gets out. But um, thank you to you and your son for your service to the country because you were there to support him. My, my, uh, my husband is a vet. He's also disabled and he is now a video game designer. Wow. Good and, for him. Yeah. And it, that was, that was the result of he kept on losing his job after he got out of the service and after we got married. And I finally just said, you know, maybe this is God's way of saying pursue your dream rather than working because he got to work. But in the family that he grew up in, it was always blue collar. You work because you have to work because you have to pay the bills because you have to work. You know, it was just that that cycle that so many of us get into. And I even saw it in my family, despite the fact that my parents were both college educated and not blue collar. We had to they had to go back to work on Mondays, you know, because the money was gone after the weekend. I mean, it wasn't right. always I like owe, that. I owe it's off to work. I go. Mm, oh, I've never heard that before, but that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And I. I love how entrepreneurship has taught me a different perspective on earning and also on spending because yeah. <laughs> I have never seen a better lesson in budgeting than I did. I've never learned a better lesson in budgeting than I did before I was an entrepreneur. Glenn, can I let this cat out and I'll be right back? <laughs> I'll just keep talking while you do that. <laughs> okay. I will be right back. Like it's only going to take 30 seconds. There's nothing there's nothing more compelling than a cat with a streak of persistence. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. So one of my early episodes was um well my that I don't consider that my cat. That is my cat considering he lives in in my house and I feed him. But that is my kid's cat. <laughs> they let the mother out of the house. And he is what resulted when she came back. So, uh, ah. yeah, but my cats are fame and fortune because I decided that I don't need them. I don't need fame and fortune any other way but the feline form because fame and fortune aren't going to mean happiness. Well, I'll tell you, money can't buy you happiness, but uh, it, it sure is a good substitute when – I mean, it, 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 it provides the things that make you happy if you if you use it right. I, I haven't learned the budgeting thing. I'm going to have to talk with you some more about that because – it's one thing to make money. It's another thing to keep it. <laughs> Have you read Profit First? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's probably like the last key to me putting these pieces together. Because for the longest time, anytime money came in, money went right back out again. If it didn't have to go to bills, there was always something in my inbox that captured my attention and I had to buy it right then. But, yep. but since, I mean... 
entrepreneurship, and I and I mean this in all the best ways because there's been so many valuable lessons. I've truly ridden the financial roller coaster. I have been well below red, but I've also had multiple five-figure months. Someday I'm going to have a six-figure month, which is unbelievable to me because just nine years ago, I was trying to figure out how to make $300 a week working at Chipotle, right? (laughs) You know, so I can't even, if I could go back and tell that version of me, someday you're going to have five-figure months and you're going to be dreaming about the six-figure months. She would, I don't even know what that version of me would say. Yeah, you're like, no way. You're crazy. What are you, a stripper? You know, are, are you, did you listen to mom and dad? Are you doing illegal stuff? Right? <laughs> because my eyes just weren't fully open yet. But I realized that fame and fortune can't, or they, they can create a lot of good. But I've seen people who aren't going at it from necessarily the most integrity filled methods. And when you pull back the covers, they really aren't happy. Yes, that's exactly right. And that's one of the reasons I left the practice of law. It had nothing to do with integrity. I was making money, but I wasn't making myself happy with what I was doing to earn the money. Yeah. You know, when I go, when I go speak now, I'm able to legitimately say to people, I love what I do because I've chosen to do what I love. And now my bank account and my heart are full. Do you think you'll be able to retire? And I don't mean that from a financial standpoint. No. Okay. No, I can't. I owe, I owe. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) When you love what you do, there's really no reason to retire. I mean, my business has become a historical reference of my personal development journey. Because remember, everything that we've done has been a function of evolving with technology, with opportunities that, that, that come over time. So, I mean, why would you want to retire from something that you love doing? I love breathing. I'm not looking to retire from that either. You know, my point is, is that retirement for me is a mindset that we've been programmed with by societal conditioning. You know, the American dream of owning a house. I don't know that the American dream is owning a house. For me, the American dream is making the decisions I want to make and doing the things I want to mm, do. Yep. You know, but we don't hear that. We get conditioned to believe that the goal in life is to retire and be comfortable in retirement. My goal in life is to be putting it out there and giving it all I got and not taking anything to the grave with me. Hmm. You know, so from my perspective, I have no intention of retiring and I've picked the perfect business to be in, which is, you know, speaking and coaching and supporting speakers and coaches and helping people engage in what I got started when Anthony Robbins was silly enough to do an infomercial and get me involved in personal power, which is to learn how to invest in yourself through personal development. So as long as I have breath and voice, there's no reason for me to retire. Absolutely love that. Yeah, I don't, I, I am part of a mastermind group and we call ourselves the unretirables. Yeah, I like that. Because because we all love what we do so much. And I must just tack on there. What we love to do has been an an evolution. Yeah. And and what you love to do will always be an evolution Mm -hmm. if you have the mindset of always looking for how you can be better today than you were yesterday, how you can be better tomorrow than you were today. And what out here has changed in the world that allows you to do that more quickly? For me, that was technology. 
I was so happy when Al Gore created the internet. That was amazing that he did that. (laughs) (laughs) But my, my point is if you look at, you know, if you look at life as an opportunity to create enriching experiences that you can then share with others. That's all we do as coaching professionals, as, as speakers and coaching professionals and, and people and mentors, whatever you want to call it, is we learn some things and then we go out and we teach some things. Now, why would you ever want to retire from that if you had the ability to continue that to the end of your life? Right. The you only know. thing that my husband and I are committed to retiring from, and it's already taken place, is changing diapers. <laughs> now that's something that's worthy of focus because I, uh, you were talking about your young ones. All my kids are adults. I've got a, my oldest son is an airman and he's a career path guy. My, my middle son, um, uh, uh, Emmett, who's with me now was, was planning four years and out. And my youngest son, Nolan, uh, had no intention of going anywhere near the military. Now, my daughter, my youngest uh, of, of all the kids, and we're done. She's 15 years old now. She's looking to go into the Marines right now. We'll see if that continues to be the path after she's you know, completed high school and had a chance to experience some new things and see, what, see if that changes. But none of them are in diapers. And that is a magical moment for you when the last diaper is used in the house. Oh, the last <laughs> diapers are, are gone. They've been gone yeah. for about a year now. But my husband has gone so far as to say, I mean, and and I've had personally seven kids, but between the two of us, we have seven or no, I've had five between the two of us. We have seven. He's like, I'm never changing another diaper in my entire life. I'm like, you, you do realize, right? That with I've seven never kids, heard of grandkids, yeah, dude. <laughs> with seven kids between the two of us, we are going to have grandbabies. He's like, yep. And I'm not doing it. I'm like, all righty then. I am almost sure, I'm almost positive (laughs) by the time my kids start having kids, there will be a technology out here that changes the diapers. And that's what I'm looking for. (laughs) The Roomba for diaper changing. You got that right. Mm -hmm. A little robot that can do it for us. Wow. What are you most excited about in the next 90 days? Um, I would have to say seeing where a new program that we just launched here is going to be in 90 days. Um, I'll tell you real quickly about it. We're about to launch a website, hopefully later on today, but definitely by tomorrow called we heal by choice. It's a program, a podcast and a community that we're developing to help people who are struggling with addiction, mostly substance addiction. And the idea is that we're trying to help people to grapple with the root cause of their addiction, which was what drove them to use self-medicated approaches to dealing with whatever they were facing, you know, whether it's self-esteem, abuse, or you know, whatever it is. There's always a reason why people turn to drugs. And drugs is not the issue. It's the thing that caused you to pursue the drugs, whether it was curiosity, whether it was pain, whatever it is. So we wanted to find a way to reunite people with their friends and their family members and then teach those family members how to empower people to move to recovery rather than enable them to continue their drug use. So we are literally launching that program this week. And so I'm excited to see where that is going to be 90 days from now and six months from now and a year from now because I'm not aware of anybody else out here that's taking the approach that we're taking with it. So it's going to be very interesting to see how much traction we get with it. And I'm just I'm just flat out excited about that because I know we have the ability to have a major impact in helping people develop a vision for how to create a better life for themselves, no matter what their current situation may be. 
Well, on behalf of our house here and our family histories on both my husband's side and my side, I want to thank you for what you're doing there. It's so needed. It it really is. And the, the wonderful thing about it, Kim, is that our approach to this gives anyone who has a desire to be part of the solution an open invitation to do just that. They can refer people to listen to the radio show. They can help people get access to the resources that are listed on our website. They can use the resources themselves to improve their relationship with someone who in their family is struggling with addiction or otherwise, and all of it is good. So from our perspective, again, it's just one of those things where by using internet television, internet radio, social media, et cetera, we've created an environment where people can come together around a challenge and work together towards resolving it. And that's really what we're doing. We're building little mini communities here. A small business CEO is entrepreneurs, experts on stage is speakers and coaching professionals, optimum health clubs, people interested in health and wellness. And we heal by choice as people who are seeking a better life for themselves by getting them onto the path to recovery. They're all communities of people that have a purpose in mind when they choose to become part of what we're doing. And we're going to use these technology resources and these communications platforms to support their efforts to make for a better world. Mm. That was the one thing that my marketing coach taught me, my marketing mentor who died several years ago, is to always everything you do, Glenn, make for a better world. Glenn, you're not helping my chronic idea disorder right now. (laughs) You just sparked like 18 ideas in my head, which is always a dangerous idea or a a dangerous day. It sounds like even though this this radio show episode may come to an end, that the conversation between you and I are going uh, you and me is going to continue. Absolutely, yeah. I'm keeping my mouth shut on that right now. But for listeners who are are curious about knowing more about you, what you do, your radio network, and all your programs, what's the best place for them to go and and connect with you or places? You know, I think, yeah, I, I think at this point, the best place for people to go would be go would be to. A website, a web page that we've developed specifically to give you an opportunity to experience some of what we do. It's it's tipsonsuccess.com, www.tipsonsuccess.com. When you get there, you get the opportunity to become part of our community in some fashion or other by either you know getting on the mailing list for some resources about general personal development or getting on the mailing list for some resources about business and entrepreneurship. Whatever you choose, it gives you the ability to become part of our community, get plugged into the bigger picture of what we're doing here, which is uniting people, getting people to focus on what we have in common with each other rather than what divides us and giving them the opportunity to explore their genius, share their genius, and therefore make for a better world. Amazing. So tipsonsuccess.com. I want to know how you got that URL. That's amazing. Listen, I have been at this a lot. There was a time when I owned over 400 domain names. I can believe it. I mortgaged a house, (laughs) sold cars, and had two jobs to pay that bill every month. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And and so, yeah, I've been very fortunate. I mean, justexperts.com, tips on success, success FAQ. There's a lot of different domains I've been able to acquire over the years that were were, were true gems as far as I was concerned. Um, and, and the bottom line is that um, I was amazed myself that the, some of those were available. I have podcastautomation.com, which I never have any – well, right now I should say 
ne- you can't say never in the in the life and brain of Kim. <laughs> but <laughs> I I at this point don't have any intention to do anything with it. But I'm like I can't give that up. Hang on to that because you never know. I've actually had I've actually successfully sold a number of domains um that that um were real gems, but I I finally did figure out that I was not going to use them for anything and that somebody else should have the opportunity to do so as long as they had $25,000 to buy it from me. Um, but, but the point is that um, I, I've hung on to domains for a period of time to realize that, you know, okay, this is not going to be in my future after all. But if I was able to liquidate that asset, I could apply it to something else that is in my future. So I have sold domains to support other projects that we're working on. And, and so you might want to think about that as well. You're, you're again not helping with chronic idea disorder. I'm also I'm already thinking about going and looking up the domains for all my kids, like all their yes. names. Yes, absolutely. Because someday they and, might and want it. Teach them, teach them how to build their own website. Oh, absolutely. Even if it's only a one-page landing page that tells their story. Oh, my six-year-old is mad because I haven't launched her YouTube channel yet. <laughs> well, you better no, get on it, Mama. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah. Well, I I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. You've provided so many golden nuggets in just this conversation alone. So thank you so much. We're, we're definitely going to have to do a part two and more. I make myself available for that because this has been an absolute delight. I love talking with thinkers, with big picture visionary thinkers who are really looking to pour into other people and help them begin understanding the value of thought. Mm. Listeners, I want to invite you to go over to the show notes page. By the way, I was so excited about asking the listeners to come over and comment that I forgot to say thank you and same right back to you. See, I got so excited. I told you in the in the pre-chat, sometimes I compound thoughts together. But listeners, anyway, go over to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP624 and leave a comment, your ahas, any questions that you have about this episode down below the show notes because we will address those and we will cover them in part two, if not earlier. So again, thecamsutton.com forward slash PP624. Glenn, just thank you again. And and it's the same right back to you. I love talking to thinkers. I love just conversations with, and I need to eliminate just from my vocabulary, but I love conversations with people who make me think outside of my box. Well, I am glad that I was able to do my part to help you accomplish that today. <laughs> I feel victorious. And thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to pour in to your listenership. I hope that people will get something, some nugget, just one thing. If you find just one thing that we talked about today that made a difference to you, then it was worth it. Would you mind sharing one last parting piece of advice or a golden nugget with the listeners? Yeah, I'd love to do that. And, and I have so many that I, can I share two just real quick? Absolutely. Okay, so my favorite quote, I'm a very big quote person. I love motivational quotes because they it's a way to acquire a lot of wisdom in a very short period of time. So my favorite one, or one of my favorites, I shouldn't say my favorite, my, one of my favorites comes from Eleanor Roosevelt. Great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and small minds discuss people. And I love having a conversation with people who are engaging in gossip and asking them, wait a minute, is that, is that an idea, an event? Or is it a person, you know, cause that, that, that's a way to kind of like smack them in the face and make them realize that they're, they're, they're off course without calling them out for it in a negative way. 
Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events and small minds discuss people. Spend more time discussing ideas and focus less on what's going on in the media and focus less on who's being talked about at happy hour and your life will get better in a hurry. The last thing I want to share is simply this. Never give up and never give in. Find a way to focus on what you want to do regardless of what other people think about it and keep going for it until you get it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.